Hey guys, this is Chris and Megan from Tap the Craft. I'm excited to tell you about a new company that we've partnered with called Hopcloth. Hopcloth is based in Tampa, Florida, and they produce some of the best craft beer apparel around. They have great designs such as the Drink Beer From Here series, supporting all 50 U.S. states, as well as other great designs to show that craft beer is not alcoholism, it's a hobby. There are tees, tanks, and hoodies from men, women, and your newborn future beer lovers. We personally own a handful of their shirts, and we can attest they're super soft and comfortable. You can find their website at www.hopcloth.com, or check out our Facebook page for links. Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, and I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, head brewer, and owner of Trek Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, is John Reen. Now, John, how are you doing tonight? And, of course, what are you drinking? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's actually warm. It was in the 50s today, so no snow like last oh, time. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a nice beer from Mad Tree tonight, uh, which is their Rubus Cacao, which is a... Uh, with raspberry and uh, chocolate in it. Okay. Uh, it's very nice. There's a great raspberry aroma. Um, and then it's got some dark chocolate to mm. pair with that in the uh, in the flavor. Nice. And I was actually drinking some of this with uh, our buddy uh, Matt, Devious Mr. Matt. Um, what? Last February. Oh, okay. When I, when I told him <laughs> about the brewery. So we, he and I met up at Mad Tree, and this was one of the beers that we were enjoying Okay. So, what, what's the base style on that? Is it a is it a fruit beer or is it a a brown or? Uh, it's a stout, I believe. A stout? I don't have the okay. can in front of me. Okay, it's no. across the across the kitchen. Nah, no problem. I'm trying to use my X-ray vision. No, no, no. So it's a dark. It's a dark. <laughs> uh, I, I I was yeah, because I know the Rubius or Rub the one from Founders is like a fruit beer. It's a light, light fruit. Yeah, uh, that's that's part. all raspberry. So. Yeah, but no, this one's very nice. I enjoyed it a lot, so I was happy when Kristen brought it home. Well, good. Is it a, a can, a bottle, big twenty-two ouncer? What what serving size? Uh, can. Okay. Wait, nice six pack in the fridge. So. Ah, sweet. Yeah. So, how about you? What are you drinking? Well, I am drinking a New England IPA, and I've been uh, sampling a, a few of the new offerings that have been out from the, some of the bigger breweries. And what's in my glass right now is from Sierra Nevada. It's their latest effort into the North New England IPA craze. This one's called the Hazy Little Thing, just released uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's it, it's kind of... Uh, well, well, they had that one beer in the sampler pack. The, the Holiday Haze. Pack, Holiday Haze. And that one was okay. Um, this one's better. They, I think they practiced on that one to try to find a, a hazy, uh, you know, a hazy beer, and it was okay. It was drinkable, but it wasn't anything special. This one's better than that one, but again, it's it's not quite what we've come to really enjoy and love in the New England IPA style. And so I just wrote down some quick tasting notes that I've uh, that I've had with this beer. And to me, the number one probably turnoff for me is that. This one comes across really tangy. 
And I don't know why that's a turnoff. I think it's because it just leaves this weird, tangy uh, coating in my mouth. Probably the mouthfeel just kind of is a little bit weird to me. It also, there is a slight so haze. With that, yep. with that tanginess, would that uh, go against the, the theory we were talking about with uh, having this style kind of push the, the sour IPA? Actually, that's a good point, John. I didn't even think about that. That if this was called a sour IPA, I think I would appreciate it for what for that for being sour. You're right; it does go into the kind of that sour IPA phase. I didn't even think about that. That's why it threw me off because I wasn't expecting it. I was trying to to gauge this off of New England IPA style, but it, you know, I don't think the can actually said New England IPA. It just says hazy little thing, and maybe. This could be classified in a sour IPA. And if that's the case, then this would be the first sour IPA that I actually enjoyed if I were, well, to, you know. Yeah, I feel like if if they were intentionally putting something out as a sour IPA, that that would be well documented that mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada was dipping their toe into that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, just... I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't even think about that. I mean, that, that's what was throwing me off, though, is I wasn't expecting it to have that tanginess, that kind of almost tartness, um, and it does have a little bit of it. Uh, also, the haze is, is a little bit better than the last beer, but still, you can see through it. So it's not, you know, it's just like unfiltered, not really the, the haze of a New England IPA you're used to seeing. It does have a very good juicy nose, and the mouthfeel overall is pretty smooth, except for that little bit of tanginess that I, I sense. <laughs> and uh, again, it's not as soft. A lot of the New England IPAs that I think are done really well have that really soft mouthfeel that is, to me, is just says, wow, this is a great uh, New England IPA. So that's just my tasting notes on this one for all, everyone out there. Have you had this beer yet, John? I have not. No. Okay. Have you seen it in your area? Uh... I just looked it up and just to see if I could find it more. I think I saw this logo out there. So okay. maybe yes, but it doesn't look like it's, you know, supposed to be tangy or anything like that. It, they have it classified as an American IPA. Okay. Um, that, yeah, they just took it straight from the tanks, unfiltered, unprocessed, and raw is how they described it. Raw. So, okay. All yeah. right. All right. So, yeah, if you find it, it comes in cans. It's a nice little... Uh, cardboard container of, of six 12 ounce cans so look for it try it let me know what you think okay so there's a little bit of taste of what tap to craft is all about but if you are new to the show we just want to explain a little bit more details on what we're about so tap to craft podcast is an educational podcast we focus around celebrating all things craft beer and of course we want to help you along in your craft beer journey and you're listening to episode 92. We're recording on Sunday, January 28th, 2018. And in this episode, we're mainly going to focus on some of the health risks uh, that you might come into while drinking at your local brewery or pub. Uh, and, and mainly focused around, can you catch a cold or flu by drinking beer at your local pub? And I, and I kind of want to give you a little background the reason this even came up is that since our last recording i have been really really sick with a really bad uh, head and chest cold you can probably hear it in my voice you'll probably hear me cough a little bit during the show and and maybe uh you know 
sneeze or, or blow my nose or whatever. But if you do, I apologize. I'll try to edit all that out if possible. But when I was sitting home, I actually had to, to take a day off on this week uh, just because I, I was feeling so poorly. And I started thinking about how the different ways you can catch colds and flus and such. And I started thinking about all of the trips I take to the brewery. And I've started kind of visualizing how the beer is handled, uh, how the beer tender, the server, the people behind the the bar, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of things that aren't necessarily clean and they're handling my beer. And is it possible that some of those germs can be passed on to me where I might be able to get sick? And, hey, beer has alcohol in it. Does that mean that it kind of is, you know, kind of kills off some of that stuff? Well, guess what? We're going to find out if beer can help kill off some of those bacteria and viruses. All right. And of course you can count on John and I having some great beer conversation. Like you already had a little bit of it with we're talking about our beers. So let's get right into the meat of the show. And John, everyone wants to know about Trek brewing. It's got to be getting close to opening the doors. So let us know what's been happening with Trek brewing. All right. So, uh, yeah, as in the name, um, we've been brewing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, been continuing to brew and we have our beer into kegs oh now. Nice. so we've got uh, a few kegs in the cooler and our coolers are actually working oh. i mentioned last week that we had to get some maintenance done and that was one of the things the coolers that used to work didn't work anymore when we needed <laughs> them so but they're back up and running and and keeping our beer nice and cold so nice um but yeah we're continuing to just crank beers through that one barrel system to try to build up enough stock that we can actually open those doors. Okay. So how so. many, how many beers do you have now that, uh, that you've, you've got prepared? Uh, there are two different beers kegged, uh, one more beer in the bright tank. That's going to be kegged here coming up. And then three more beers are fermenting. Oh, nice. Moment, so nice. Now, since this is the first time that you have actually gone through the process of, of going from fermenter to bright tank to keg, Lessons learned. Has it gone smooth for you? Have you had any problems that have arisen that you are working through for your, you know, getting, you know, you're, you're taking trials and tribulations as you go and, and getting better. What, what kind of things have, have you experienced? Um, I haven't had anything like show stopping, mm-hmm. thankfully. Um, there's been a few little things partly because, you know, a lot of this is, uh, couplers and things that uh i didn't deal with as a as a home brewer yeah. like i didn't i didn't use sankey kegs yeah so i've got a new you know kegging apparatus i'll call it okay. um that that uh pulls off the bright tank and fills the keg and then when the keg is full it stops filling and like stops all the transfer which is nice is it is it a, a pump or what's the mechanism that you're using to transfer from the bright tank to the kegs is it it's it's a is it just a uh, it's just just pressure differential okay so, between the keg and the and the bright tank so okay now again um, i i'm dumb about this so you put the stinky uh, fitting on their top right is that what it is you called it stinky Sankey. Oh, Sankey? Not Stanky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you put that fitting on top. So that means beer's going in. How is there a vent? How how does it uh so you're pressurizing from the pressurized bright tank, it's going into the unpressurized 
keg and there's got to be a vent right where how does that venting work on well the, the keg is pressurized also oh um because if it wasn't then the beer would just like shoot into there and foam up and oh. it'd be really bad okay so the keg's pressurized and then uh, as part of this so on a sankey keg the um the beer and the gas coupler is all combined into one thing that attaches to the keg okay so unlike the corny kegs that you saw it at my house mm-hmm. where there's gas on one side and beer, and beer on the other, other side. Yeah. Um, they're combined into one that's in the, in the center. Okay. Um, so what happens is I'll hook, hook this up to the bright tank, you know, with hose, uh, and then I'll open it up, let the beer run in and open up the gas valve for this, this fitting. And it has a little tiny hole in it to like slowly bleed off the gas. Okay. So that it, um, just slowly brings the beer over from the bright tank. Okay. And takes about 10 minutes to fill a keg that oh, way. That's not too bad. So, I mean, cause that's a, that's a 15 gallon keg. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And you know, as we get into the 15 barrel, um, stuff, I'll end up buying a, probably, uh, one to three more of these and attaching them all in, in, uh, parallel to each other so they can do, do four kegs at a time. Four, okay. You know, something to speed it up. Okay. So when the beer fills the keg, I mean, okay, do you fill the keg all the way to the top or do you leave a, a buffer in there for gas? Uh, no, they're, they're completely full. Okay. So when the beer fills the keg, does it automatically shut off or do you have to go and shut it off when you see beer coming out of the hole or whatever? Uh, it shuts itself off. It's got a little float. Okay. that will go up and close the hole. Okay. So then it doesn't let anything else transfer. All right. So. All right. Thank you. I was I just I was really curious about that and maybe other people out there are also curious about it cuz I've never filled a keg before. So <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to hear how it was done and I'm I'm glad it's going smooth for you and and yeah, if you're if you're trying to do 15 15 barrels one barrel, one keg at a time, that would be kind of tough. So I think four will be good for you, for sure. Yeah. Then I mean, the nice thing is you can set it up and go do something else, you know. And there are lots of little things you can do in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come back and pop it and put on the new one and put that beer in, in the cooler. Nice. So, okay. Um, but yeah, so I mentioned we were painting with our, our beautiful, beautiful paint that I got chastised for describing. Uh, and now yeah. I'm going to call it a dusty trail. Yeah. Brown. Yeah, it looks great. So. <laughs> it, it looks great. The day after, the day, same day that we released our show, uh, Kristen released photos of it. And uh, the photos are much better than your description. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I've uh, I've been hearing about that ever since we recorded. So. <laughs> um, and I probably will continue to hear about it. But yeah, all the, all the painting is done, at least out in the public areas. Yeah. Um, I have some stuff to do like in the office and in a couple of storage rooms, but that's not really a super high priority for me right now. Mm. Um, while we get uh, everything, try to get everything ready to get these doors open. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the, uh, the patio had another stage of completion because our, our fence is done. Um, and that's what we, what we need to, have in place so that we can get the patio like authorized for beer drinking, which mm-hmm. is the whole point of having the patio. Yeah. So go have a nice beer outside. <laughs> um, 
So we still need to get the lights up on the patio, but that's the only thing left um, for that. So, uh, what kind but, of lights? What, what what kind of lighting are you gonna do? Are they gonna be like string string lights? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have string lights across. We've got um, if you remember from the, some of the pictures, mm -hmm. there are uh, some ten foot posts that run up, and the lights will be strung between uh, those posts. Okay. So, is there gonna be? Is it going to be open open sky, or are you going to have uh, some shade blocking uh, fabric or something you'll put up during the summertime? Uh, it's going to be open. Okay. So how's the what, how's the sun hit that side? Is it going to be hot out there? Are you going to have umbrellas uh, for the tables, or how are you going to control the all that heat and sun from hitting your beer when the people are out there enjoying the weather? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it actually it's. It'll, it will only be an issue from like two to four thirty. Okay. Um, like, uh, well now it'll be a little later during the summer, but the, the way we have some other buildings around and the way the tr sun goes down behind some trees, like it, it shouldn't be too bad, but you know, we'll keep an eye on it. If it becomes a, an issue, then we'll, we'll address it. So, okay. but I think, I think we'll mostly be all right. And then uh, sticking outside, our we're we're getting the the last of our siding um, work done on the brewery. Um, so on two of the sides, we're uh, putting up some metal siding. Then um, I I'm not sure if we posted pictures of the color that was done on the back side of the building. Um, it's kind of a a dark. Um, I'm choosing my words carefully now. <laughs> I know Kristen's listening. Um, but it's like a dark pewter oh. um, with like a bit of uh, brown, like hints of brown in it. Mm -hmm. um, and if we've posted a picture of that, that's the color that this metal siding is. Okay. That's going up along the sides of the building. It looks really nice. Um, the parts that are done, there's just like one tiny little section that's left. Otherwise, I could say, we finished siding the building. <laughs> um but uh, hopefully that'll be done maybe by the time this airs. So, okay. nice. you know, but I'm not willing to just say, Hey, it's done. Cause the way things have gone, something will happen and it'll slide. But, uh, only if I declare something like that, mm -hmm. but, uh, anyway, um, inside, uh, I mentioned a few episodes ago, we were working to update some of the tech inside mm -hmm. the building. Mm -hmm. Um, which included, you know, all new Wi-Fi stuff that'll blanket the building. Um, and that's in place. It's working really well. Um, and, uh, we just had, uh, new, um, speakers put in, uh, a bunch of the old speakers were shot that were in the building. Um, <clears throat> so we've got new speakers and we got all of our cabling updated for the, the TVs and everything. And, uh, got our uh direct tv hooked up oh so um we've got all that in there and um we've got a nice little app that allows us to control everything um which is really cool so uh we're we're ready to to at least have a, a pleasant experience on that front so <laughs> um but yeah we'll be able to have the have the games on and have some nice music and everything else now so Okay, so quick question. Um, because we because we're not having our our brewery startup segment anymore, I'm I'm adding some questions that 
I have, I'm curious on. So about the AV, you just mentioned that you have DirecTV, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you're probably going to have some kind of a music, uh, you know, being able to pipe through your, your system too, just to, you know, have going. So we mentioned in, um, in, in the marketing section, I think, when we were doing our, our new brewery that, that there is some special attention that needs to be done for making sure that you're, you're getting commercial um, licensing or whatever to be able to play this stuff in, in your brewery. So for the DirecTV, is there a special program for businesses that you had to sign up for that allow you to, uh, you know, to show that in your place? And then what kind of service are you using for your music? Uh, yeah, so there is a DirecTV for business um, that we have, which is more expensive, obviously, mm-hmm. than residential Um dealing with that. And, uh, part of that is just because they, um, they adjust for the number of eyeballs that okay. they expect to be okay. on the TV. So, um, you know, it, they do pricing based on capacity. Okay. So it's um, based on the amount of people you could have in, in your tap room. Right. And, uh, so as an example that, uh, makes your, like, if you want to do a pay-per-view event, you can do that but it's going to be very expensive. Oh. Um, you know, and that's why you'll see a lot of places that do pay-per-view, you, you have a cover because they need to guarantee that they're going to be able to pay for that event. Okay. Um, like when uh, the the Mayweather-McGregor fight, uh, I was in Nashville uh, with some friends and we, uh, a couple of the guys were at a place and overheard the manager trying to negotiate their fee. Um for that fight, uh, which was $20,000. Oh my God. To be able to show that fight. Oh, and like all the places we were looking at going had a minimum $50 cover just to get in. Oh my Um, gosh. And most of you had to reserve a table for like a certain number of people. And, and, uh, you know, there was a drink minimum and all that stuff because they have to make sure that they can make that money back. Oh wow. Um, but it's one of those things that you, unfortunately you have to provide it because otherwise your place will be empty because everybody's going to go wherever that is, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that stuff can get pricey fast. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the music, uh, side of it, um, so there are a couple ways to go about it. Uh, you can, uh, we, we mentioned the licensing. Mm-hmm. So ASCAP, CSAC, uh, there's one more that I'm blanking on right now that are like the big three and you have to pay all of them, mm. um, to do it. And that's also based off capacity. Um, or you can, um, as long as you don't have like live music, uh, you can do like uh, Pandora for business. They have a commercial product that they pay the licensing. So you pay them and that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have live music, then you'll need to deal with the other um, companies because uh, if anybody plays a cover, then you are profiting off of someone without paying them. Oh, my God. Um, so uh, starting out, we're going to be uh, going the, like, some, if not the Pandora commercial, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as we get going, we'll see about, you know, <clears throat> going the other route and getting some, some music in like live acts and stuff. Yeah. So, okay. 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole, uh, can of worms that you, it's one of those things you don't really think about and it can get very expensive very quick. Yeah. Um, cause they don't, they don't care how many people are actually there, you know, it's how many people could be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, uh, then to follow up, I mentioned we were taking applications and oh, yeah. uh, we have yeah. a bunch of interviews scheduled. So, Ooh. um, this week we'll be interviewing folks and, and see who's going to, you know, come on board, to be a part of the Trek Brewing team. All right. How, how many, um, how many employees are you looking to, uh, to hire? Uh, we'll be phasing in, um, we'll be taking one or two now, um, depending. And then as we get the 15 barrel system up and running and start expanding our hours, um, we'll probably bring on a couple more folks. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. It's exciting. That is exciting. That is exciting. So, um, are you able to uh, give us an estimate on the opening date yet? No, no, no. Keep still it dark. Okay, all right. I tried. <laughs> I tried. All right. Well, thanks, John. That's some fantastic updates. A lot of information, and I know there's a lot of people that are eager to uh, see the doors open and and hear more about the success of truck brewing. Um, let's go into our uh, new and noteworthy beers, and John. Uh, I'm going to go first. I only have a couple. I didn't drink very much the last couple of weeks. I literally only had uh, a few beers. and uh, But the beers I did have uh, were coming from two breweries, mainly. Uh, Sierra Nevada. I am drinking their little hazy thing or whatever it is <clears throat> right now. And also, I tried their Hot Bullet Double IPA. And I'll tell you what. That is a damn good beer uh for a double ipa it's got some serious hop flavor and aroma i it's like i I called it like hop bursting i mean you literally it smells like just hops are bursting all over the place and it tastes really good really smooth uh hides the uh, alcohol pretty well i think it's eight percent uh abv but uh really good I uh, really enjoyed that one, and I, I think that uh, everyone should, should if you see it on their shelf, should should pick it up. It's it's not a, a harsh, heavy double IPA. It's actually a pretty uh, easy drinking double IPA. I really really liked it. Have you tried that one yet, so, John? Yeah, this one I know I saw, but I hadn't picked it up. Um, so if it's still there, I'll have to go see if I can grab it. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, It surprised me. I really enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, everyone knows that because Sierra Nevada is so big, their distribution is so, you know, is so complicated because they basically hit every state in North America, uh, that, that beer can kind of sit in their warehouse for a few weeks or a month before it actually gets out to the stores. And um, this beer doesn't suffer from being a month old by the time you actually get it in your glass. Uh, it's it's actually pretty good. Also, these hazy IPAs, I don't think suffer too much either. I think they they age fairly well. I wonder if though if if I actually had it like right out of the uh, out of the bright tank, if it would taste different, probably would. But uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. Try it. And then the other beer that I've been drinking, and again, I got six packs of all three of these beers, and um, 
yesterday I went to grocery shopping, you know, do our, our weekly grocery shopping, and I came across this new Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. And again, it seemed like I've been drinking the haze on a haze train, haze craze, and I've, I've went ahead and picked up a six-pack of it because I wanted to see what this... I like the Voodoo Ranger beers, and I want to see what this one was all about. And I'll tell you what, I actually like this beer quite a bit. Now, is it... Does it, you know, does it match those great New England IPAs that everyone's drinking over on the East Coast? Uh, no, it's not up to that criteria, but it's a solid beer that has a, a really good haze. I mean, it's really... I mean, it's got a really good haze to it, really good flavor. It does come across maybe a little bit more bitter than normal New England IPAs, but it's not at all distracting from the, the style. And it is pretty smooth. It's a really smooth, good mouthfeel uh, New England IPA. I uh, got a six-pack uh, yesterday. I drank four of them, four, four in one sitting. Uh, they're 7.5% ABV, but I hadn't had a beer uh, I had a beer Tuesday night, went out to dinner with the, with the customer and I had to, you know, they were drinking, I had to drink. Uh, so I did have a beer Tuesday, but I hadn't had any beer for the rest of the week. So I un- unloaded my, uh, my need for beer and drank four of these things yesterday and I, it was really good. Have you had nice. this one yet? No, I've not had this one. I don't think I've seen this one. So okay, so there's there's two beer, three beers actually you should try, John, when you have a chance. They're not expensive. Oh, that's what I wanted to mention too. Both the the New Belgium and the the Sierra Nevada they come in at a, at a reasonable price point at nine dollars a six pack, uh, which is nice because most of the New England IPAs I get uh, from other breweries are a little bit more expensive, right? They're at the two and a half to three dollar price range. And these come in, you know, at a buck fifty, or you know, a buck, you know, a buck and change per beer. So I think it's a good price point. Uh, it's easy to buy a six pack and not feel like your your wall is being crushed by it. So, all right, John, how about you? What is what have you been drinking that has been uh, noteworthy? All right, so <clears throat> I'll stick with the IPAs, um, and uh, one that I had was Bell's Hop Slam. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I enjoyed this beer, and uh, it was one that, you know, going out to Washington, I hadn't had in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they didn't distribute out there. So uh, it was nice coming back and getting my hands on it again. So, yeah. Well, you know what? Other people have been getting their hands on it too. And we actually had someone, one of our listeners, they uh, asked us a question, John. It was Kyle. Kyle in Ohio asked the following question on Twitter. He says, good episode this week. Have you guys had this year's Hop Slam yet? Curious what you think. It's definitely a good IPA, but I always feel like it's a little overrated for the price. It's a 4.75 cap for me. So, John, since you're the only one that can get Hop Slam on the show, uh, you obviously it was noteworthy, so you enjoyed it. What is your thoughts on this beer now that you've revisited it after a few years not drinking it? Uh, no, it's definitely a very good IPA. Um, but oh, caveat that with now there are a lot of great IPAs yeah, out there. Exactly, and uh, it's difficult to justify paying seventeen a six pack for this. So, um. 
yeah, it, it's a good beer if you can get it and, you know, maybe get one or two, if you can get them singles, but you know, I, yeah, it, it's hard to tell somebody, yeah, go spend this when you can go spend nine bucks and get a very similar experience or maybe even a better experience who knows, um, for, for the price. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what, uh, I, I've had, I've had this beer twice. And I only get it when I can travel to the East Coast or, you know, areas that actually have it uh, available. And I think I've had it, uh, bo- I think both times I've had it, I've had it an older uh, can of it. I think I had one year I had a bottle of it. Actually, I think both years I had a bottle of it when I tried it. And it didn't taste all that great. You know, everyone was always hyping it up. But I think maybe, you know, the beer was sitting on the shelf a little bit too long because Normally, I'm buying it at uh, what's those those big uh, wine uh, total wine total wine shops, you know. And a lot of times, things don't move fast at those those shops. So I I need to try it, but the problem is, by time you know, I have to come at the right time, right? It's, it's not a year round beer, is it, John? It's like a seasonal. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I got to come right now to uh, to try it fresh, and that's going to be hard. It's January. I guess uh well, snow dedication. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks Kyle for the question and I hope uh I mean we had some some talk back and forth on Twitter and and uh I think he's in the same boat as as you John. There's a lot of good IPAs out there. So, you know, to be able to have a price point like they have, it needs to be worthy of it cuz it's easy, you know, it's easy to get a lot of good beer out there. Uh, next one, uh, we went, uh, out to celebrate my youngest birthday. Mm. And, uh, so of course I had to have a beer to celebrate. And that was, uh, Jackie O's Java the Stout. Ooh. Um, which was a very nice coffee beer. Uh, really nice coffee notes, uh, that blended really well with the stout. Um, it, uh, didn't get overly bitter, which can happen sometimes and happen with the other coffee beer that we ordered for mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. So, um, or at the table. So, uh, but yeah, this one drank real easy and, uh, was very nice. Um, so I, I haven't seen this one in packaging, but I might, might pick some up if I, if I see it, I enjoyed oh. it that much. Okay. And then sticking with that theme, I just wanted to, we, we've talked about this beer yeah. numerous times on the show but uh it's back out and i picked up a pack of it so uh, the founders sumatra mountain brown mm-hmm. is fantastic love that uh, beer. fantastic coffee beer so um if it's in your area go grab it it's it's really good oh yeah yeah I, i'll i'll second that john i love that beer it made my top uh beer list uh this last year and uh, is it coming in in four packs or six packs uh, fours, fours, as I thought. I, I'll be picking up a four pack as soon as it comes in my area because I I drank a few of them last year. I really enjoyed it. I had to pick up as many as I could find. <laughs> yeah, I grabbed that and hop slam at the same time, and then a like imperial stout. So my yeah, it was it was a rough day at the cash register for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it could add up fast. It could add up fast. All right, well let's get into some feedback. Now, we had some feedback from Amanda, our friend from uh, Pittsburgh, 
And she posted, she's also from, she's from Akron, Ohio. And she posted an article on our Facebook page uh, about some Ohio, an Ohio business that uh, is being investigated uh, by the FBI for maybe cheating their would-be customers. And uh, the uh, the company in question is actually called SysTech Stainless Works. And it's a former craft brewing manufacturing company that was based in Canton, Ohio. And they're accused of ripping off small breweries nationwide. And at first, this was being investigated locally uh, in, in Ohio. And I think because more people across the, the country were bringing up lawsuits and, and questioning it. That, and I think there's also a brewery that's in uh, Virginia uh, near the FBI that, that the FBI is getting involved to, sh- to see if this company really intended on uh, cheating their customers and not really giving them what they wanted. Now, um, they, the article that she posted actually listed a few breweries in the Ohio area. It's an Ohio uh, publication that were affected. And one of the, the first name on the list that was mentioned, John, was Trek Brewing. Now, I know that, that you were affected by this uh, shady business practice, um, but we haven't said anything to anyone because, well, again, we, we didn't want to say anything in case there's going to be some uh, you know, lawsuit or investigation. We want to, to soil the, uh, the ground or whatever. But, um, but yeah, you were a Trek Brewing was affected. You actually lost uh, a, a significant uh, deposit on some tanks that you had uh, ordered, and that actually delayed the opening uh, of the brewery a little bit because, for one thing, you're not getting your tanks and you're uh, you're out out some cash. Is uh, is there anything that you can uh, say about it, or just we'll leave it at that? Um. Yeah, that's it's pretty much you know they they were who we had gone with um, to get our initial fifteen barrel uh, fermenters and bright tank. Um, put down a five figure deposit with them uh, that represented you know fifty percent uh, down payment, which that in itself is pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thirty to fifty percent uh, down payment to get work started on tanks. Um, and, uh, about let's see two, three weeks before we were scheduled to get our tanks, got a call that said, uh, no tanks, no money. Um, we don't exist as a company anymore. And so we were out, um, mm-hmm. our money and no tanks, which meant starting over, uh, to find new tanks and, you know, needing to come up with more money. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the, the facts of it. That's, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's an unfortunate event. Um, it, I mean, it wasn't just truck brewing that was affected. There are dozens of other breweries around the country that have the same story as, as you either, they lost all their deposit that they had put down for their tanks, not receiving anything, or they received product that was not what they ordered. Uh, they ordered American-made stainless steel tanks, and they were shipped uh, cheap Chinese tanks. And uh, you know, when a company wants to buy American and proud to pay the extra money to you know to buy American, they expect American quality 
um, merchandise, not some some cheap Chinese merchandise. So it's unfortunate that some of these breweries, you know, got stuck with some bad uh, product. But from what I've read up on on the the the, the thing is that uh, not only did this company take all these breweries' money and not give them anything, but they also went and opened another company right after filing for bankruptcy with this company. And people are questioning, and maybe this is why the investigation is going on, that, hey, did they use this money that they gathered from all these small opening breweries that don't have the, you know, the, the finances and the legal backing to go after them so that they can you know, start another business? I mean, you would hope that's not the case, but it does seem pretty questionable if they're opening another uh, business right after, you know, not having people's money. I mean, that's just, just sad. So I hope everything works out. Um, did, can you comment on the fact, uh, are, are you going after them at all or are you just taking the loss and moving on? Uh, that I'll let stand. Okay. Or let you yeah. won't say anything. Okay. No comment. No comment. <laughs> all right. No problem. All right. So thanks Amanda for sharing that. Uh, it is it is sad. I mean, since there are so many breweries opening up, that sometimes this is going to happen. That, you know, people are going to get taken because uh, you know people are taking advantage of the the boom. All right, we had uh, one more question from our buddy Skinny Matt at Skinny Matt K. Uh, he asked this question: Anyone want to buy a brewery? And he linked an article to Smutty Nose Brewing Company uh, seeks a buyer. As the as bank is uh, bank auction is approaching on March 9th, so basically, uh, Smutty Nose Brewing Company, they're a New Hampshire uh, brewery. They've been brewing uh, beers for uh, nearly well since 1994, so they've been in a, a business for quite a while, uh, and they make they they have a 10 million dollar revenue per year. So they're not a small brewery. That's a I mean they're doing a lot of business. Um, they have a brew system, a brand new brew system. They just uh, uh, built this brewing facility, and uh, it's uh, environmentally friendly. They call it what? What is that, John? Lead, lead certification. So like, uh, yeah, it's an environmental. Yeah, so there are different tiers of of lead certification, and uh, basically, the higher it is, the smaller your footprint is. Yeah. So. Okay. So um, they're they're wanting to find a buyer before the. Before the bank goes and sells everything, they want to see if they can get someone to come in and 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 become a you know invest some capital to keep keep them going. If not, then it's going to be sold, auctioned off, uh, to the best bidder, which is uh, which is too bad. So this uh, little information here, they're they're in uh, uh, Hampton, uh, New Hampshire, at some uh, farm. What is that? Tolly Farm. Toll Farm. Uh, they have a brewery. They have a restaurant right next to it. Uh, so everything's going to be so, is going to be, you know, sold. Basically, the the Smutty Nose brand, the brewing facility, uh, thirteen acres uh, location, and the restaurant. Uh, they're able to produce seventy five thousand barrels a year. But the uh, last year they were only running at fifty percent capacity. So they 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 built. For expansion, basically, if they, you know they, they, and and what the here's what the owner says. He says uh, the company's financial 
models were based on 20 years of consistent growth. Growth, But the explosion of microbreweries has led changing dynamics in the marketplace. This dynamic shift occurred just as Money Nose committed to a major infrastructure investment with the construction of their new produ- production facility. As the turmoil in the marketplace stabilizes, Smutty knows a trusted brand with strong consumer loyalty can regain its footing with a major infusion of capital. So, um, yeah, they they were... I mean, I kind of imagine Smutty Nose kind of being at the point like where Lagunitas was, you know, 50, you know, 10 years ago. You know, they were... You know, I, you and I both read the book uh, that uh, Tom... I can't think of his name right now. Tony or Tony, Tony, Tony McGee. Tony McGee. Thank you. That that he wrote and and back then, you know, they and the growth was crazy, but there wasn't that you know that many breweries out there, and they were putting out a unique product that was really good, and their growth was just just going out the going crazy, and they were have they were struggling to make things work, even when they were trying to expand really rapidly. Well, now with the market. Being six thousand breweries, uh, <clears throat> I guess the trends just aren't following. You know, now now there's more beer on the shelves. It's harder uh, for some of these breweries to uh, to get that expansion out and 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 keep 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 on the shelves when other breweries are there to take take your spot. And uh, so it's sad. It's like uh, you know, it's I think we're gonna. This is the first of a you know. Of probably a few uh, long-time breweries that we we may see uh, closed down due to changing marketplace. What do you think, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the size of brewery that I think we've talked about in the past. That's going to have a problem mm-hmm. um, because they've they're counting on shelf space, they're counting on tap handles, and those are those are very limited. Yeah. Um, and you know the the timing of when you committed to your huge investment, um, which uh, read that as we took on a lot of debt yeah. uh, to do this. Um, you know when you base that off of you know twenty percent growth that you've been experiencing because there just weren't any players in the game. Um, well, you're you're going to be hurting mm-hmm. when you plan to continue that for you know in in perpetuity. Cause yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, anybody could have looked at that and said it's not sustainable. Um, it's just a matter of how long will that type of growth continue. Yeah. Um, so, it, but the the market's changing. You know, the, the commitment to local has been, you know, picking up, and that's really what has spurred a lot of the these breweries to open in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's we talked about or do. I think we talked about last year when Stone laid off a bunch of their employees because I think they were also seeing a reduction in their in the amount. You know, they were seeing they they were planning for a growth, and they weren't able to maintain what was going on, and they and they had to reduce their their employees just to you know keep things in check because they saw the trend coming that that. You know, they may have overextended their what they had planned. It wasn't going to work out. I'm guessing Smutty Nose didn't, uh, you know, didn't look close enough to the the situation. Maybe, maybe the, um, maybe. I don't know. This 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 owner, I 
I read the, uh, some information on him. He actually has had three breweries that that he was a part owner in, and at one time. So he, you know, he has ex, uh, experience with building breweries, but I, I don't know if necessarily had it getting to the point where he was at it with this one growing uh, as fast as he was growing. Um, obviously, he needed to. Uh, get some business person in there to, some some economic uh, experience person that, that could see read the market trends and, and give him some advice maybe he got the advice and ignored it maybe he didn't get the advice that uh, might have helped him with this well or the advice was look at this growth it's been consistent yeah yeah true you know we yeah. can take that to the bank that's true but that's true yeah you know there there aren't a lot of brewery owners that experience getting to 75,000 barrels yeah so well, he didn't. Uh, although, he, he he actually didn't get he he actually got the facility to, but he never actually brewed seventy five. Well, 000. yeah, I'd, I'd have to look back over the like reports from previous years to see if they've been dialing back production or how how high they got. Oh, okay, you know, but yeah, it's it's these these middle of the road breweries that put a large emphasis on distribution that I think we'll we'll see at least a scale back, and you know we'll see who can afford to do a scale back yeah. in, in terms of the debt that they carry. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So thank you, Matt, for the, for the article and no, uh, sorry. Uh, we're, we're not inter- interested in buying a brewery. Uh, John's already got one that he's, uh, trying to, <laughs> trying to work out. I don't think you can do two. You want, you want yeah. to take on two? Well, the, the other, uh, brewery that went to auction is, uh, Red Hook in, uh, Woodenville, Washington. Oh, so did it? They put all that stuff up for auction. They've oh. moved all their production um, to Widmer, um, and uh, they they had reached a deal to be brewing the um, new like Rainier Pale and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, that didn't end up working out for whatever reason, and uh, they were selling off all that equipment and and everything wow wow that's one of the uh original craft brewers in uh in washington so that's too bad red hook's not what it used to be yeah well they uh that the the craft brewers alliance their best-selling beers are kona now oh Um, wow so yeah but i don't think anybody really realizes that the Kona they get is brewed in Oregon. And yeah. Yeah. It's Hawaii, pretty, yeah. So. yeah it's pretty <laughs> Portland. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Hey, if you want to be like Matt and Kyle and Amanda and, uh, and, and get your questions and feedback to the show, you can do that very easy. Just uh, contact the show with your comments or questions through email at tap the craft at com or on Twitter. Just follow us at tap the craft and of course, we have our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tap the craft. And don't forget, we do have a voicemail number. You can call 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODLY to leave feedback or questions and have your voice heard on the show. And again, the number can be found in the episode description for easy access while you're listening. All you need to do is just hit that little information button and hit the phone number and call us and leave your feedback. 
We want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show and providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we believe you'll find some more great content from the following shows. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Forum Radio Network over at openformradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Forum Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, well, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment, and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics, and this week, we will discuss health risk while drinking at your local brewery or pub. Now, I'm getting over a serious head and chest cold, and I started thinking about how such illnesses can spread, and it dawned on me that some of these nasty germs could be coming from my local drinking establishments. Now, I'm hoping they're not, but... You know, once you start thinking about it, you start thinking that, you know what? Germs can be spread at the local beer pub. So we have discussed on the show many times about cleanliness during the brewing process and the packaging process. But how about during the serving process? Now, we haven't talked about that at all. And uh, this is something, John, that you need to think about now that you're getting ready to be in the serving uh, realm. And so I thought it would be great to talk about uh, about cleanliness and uh, trying to keep uh, germs from affecting your customers. So I'm guessing that most people who start up a brewery focus on the brewing process. That's the main thing, right? Make good beer. And they probably don't really think too much about the food and the beverage service portion of the operation. Now, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of these breweries that open up actually hire someone that's got experience in that food service realm right you know has a manager someone that can can train uh, the personnel on the proper ways of maintaining a clean bar and tap room so in my opinion it's quite possible that some of these tap rooms and brew pubs could inadvertently pass on some dangerous bacteria and viruses to the customers if these cleanliness practices aren't followed so first and foremost i was thinking um, so how much risk do you really have of catching something while drinking at a brew pub uh, or even drinking from a glass that your friend, you're sharing a, a sip with a friend as you're, uh, you know, you're sitting there talking and someone orders a beer and you want to try it and you take a sip. How easy is it to pass on some bacteria and viruses just by taking a sip of a beer? So John, you want to read up on what the CDC has to say about the, about that? Uh, sure. <clears throat> so uh, according to the CDC, uh, ethyl alcohol, uh, which, is, which is present in our beer, is a potent uh, virucidal agent inactivating all the lipophilic viruses. Uh, for example, herpes, vaccinia, and influenza virus, and many hydrophilic viruses, uh, for example, adenovirus, enterovirus, rhinovirus, and rotaviruses, but not hepatitis A virus, 58, or poliovirus. Mm -hmm. So you're stuck with those ones. Yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are those are two bad ones. So uh, alcohol is not going to help uh, kill those off. Yeah. Um, the uh, the issue there is that uh, only at uh, concentrations of 60 to 80 percent 
does ethyl alcohol uh, kill off all those viruses, um, which would be 50 to 75% higher than most of the stuff we drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, if they're not offering you uh, their cask strength whiskey, um, then uh, might want to pass on that on that glass <laughs> if they're sick. So, yeah, yeah. So, so alcohol can help kill viruses, but only in super strong doses strength, and not at the brewery brew pub. That's not gonna not gonna kill that five six percent IPA or pale ale is not going to uh, kill any viruses. Yeah, but confidence will. If you just yeah. believe it, yeah. you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but uh, there's some good news. Uh, viruses like herpes uh, don't do very well outside the body, so like on hard surfaces in liquids. So they would <clears throat> really only survive for about 10 seconds. Um, but the uh, cold and flu can, can survive for hours. Mm, so yeah, that's much higher risk, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So... In my so I'm actually uh, so in my thought process I was actually you know uh, my concerns are, are actually valid that uh, if I'm sharing a, a glass with a friend and that friend might have a cold or a flu uh, I could actually you know get that trans uh, transmitted over to me just by sharing that glass and it also means that if these this glassware is not uh, properly cleaned. It after someone that has the flu or a virus uh, drinks from it, if the if the uh, brew pub doesn't clean it properly, it can actually pass those germs on to other customers. So, okay, good. I'm glad that my my uh, my thought process wasn't totally out to lunch. All right. So, how can bacteria and va- viruses be passed on to? Uh, customers. Well, here we go. Let's start off some uh, some ways that uh, cleanliness can can affect it. So, the number one thing I think is uh, beer tenders and servers not washing their hands regularly or not washing them, uh, you know, correctly. You know, to to kill to remove uh, the the stuff from their their hands. So, keep in mind, and this is what brought this to my attention when I started thinking about what's going on at behind the bar at my some of these brew pubs that I, that I visit. What do I see? I see the bartenders and the servers handling cash, handling credit and debit cards, uh, taking their tips, taking dirty glasses, and even the ones that have food are taking food dishes and, and et cetera and cleaning tables. And these items could possibly be covered in viruses and bacteria uh, you know, from the customers. So... That was a concern. Just in my again, my thought process is a lot of stuff is going on, and they're serving beer at the same time. If these people's hands aren't clean, their hands are now passing on the uh, this bad the bad stuff. So basically, it says how how can you mitigate or reduce uh, this passing of the bacteria? Well, wash your hands regularly. Make sure that there's antibacterial soap and a designated hand washing station for your bar staff, and of course. Make sure that the hand wash lasts at least 20 seconds and should occur before shift, multiple times during a shift, and especially if the person's going to be touching their hair or their face. Make sure that they wash their hands and, of course, after shift. Now, bars are often, you know, again, when I'm visiting a pub 
or a bar at peak rush hour, you know, traffic where there's a lot of stuff going on, that's when they're really, you know, crunched for time. They're trying to get all the people's beer served in a timely manner. And sometimes things get missed, right? You know, they're going to handle cash, handle cards, and then serve up beer. It happens. I see it all the time. It's, I mean, but uh, they want to make sure that hand washing is not overlooked if they want to keep their patrons safe. So, John, what are your thoughts behind this? Is this something that you have thought about in Trek Brewing? Do you have a policy that you're going to put in place? Do you have, do you have any experience with this? Have you, have you, uh, are you going to hire someone that has, uh, uh, experience managing a bar and food, uh, service? Uh, we will be, um, we will be, we aren't day one. Um, but, uh, the nice thing is a lot of this stuff is, uh, and I think a lot of stuff that we'll see here is, is, common sense in terms of, um, you know, one, just day-to-day life and two, in terms of just serving a quality product. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's really easy to instill that in staff. Um, and you know, we already have the infrastructure in place to have hand washing stations, have all that stuff. And like for the kitchen that we have, we're putting in place and, you know, providing our menu for, you know, some of our licensing stuff. Well, by that, we're now under purview of the health department and all of their stuff, you know, is what we're talking about here. And, and then some, Mm -hmm. um, and they will help you put that in place. You know, if you don't, um, (laughs) don't know what you're doing. Um, and, and that's one thing, you know, for people that are putting this together, you know, there are resources out there and, you know, folks that are very happy to help you with this, um, and hopefully your, your folks are as nice as our folks are in our County. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, yeah, I've already met with our, um, health department folks like well before we even finished our plan for our building to just to make sure that we, you know, had all our, our eyes dotted and our T's crossed mm-hmm. and they said, looks good. Yeah. You know, you've got everything that, uh, you need. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, again, for the most part, the hand washing thing with beer, the, the, if done correctly, the, their hands are never going to get to where your mouth is. So it should be fairly safe. I think, you know, that, that's the thing that is that, yeah, you should wash your hands, but I've honestly, I've never, ever seen anyone wash their hands after I've handed them my debit card to open a tab and then serve my beer. They take my card, they enter it into the computer, then they go grab a glass, and they serve my beer. I've never, ever seen anyone wash their hands after changing from one thing to the other. So, you know, I don't know if it's a requirement. Obviously, it's not. it doesn't happen. And as long as they follow other, you know, uh, practices, then it, it can also reduce the chances of, of passing anything on to your, your, your customer. So, John... What's the, the next thing that can help in uh, reducing the passing of these germs? Uh, yeah, so um, beer tenders uh, picking up glasses by the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, that should just never be done, period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those things that if I saw somebody doing it, even if I knew they were a picture of health, I'd be like, nope, 
put that away, get them another glass. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't be touching anything that, you know, goes directly to the customer's mouth. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's just, and this is kind of what I, what I, one of those things I was talking about, like, it's just, why, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you know, this is a way a lot of customers will pick up glassware and carry it and, you know, back to the table, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be having a few glasses and they prop them all between their hands. We've all done it. Yeah. It's the easiest way to get a whole bunch of glasses back. Yeah. So yeah. you end up touching the rims and everything. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I, well, there, there's a lot of stuff that just, you know, with very minimal coaching, I think you can, you can, uh, get around a lot of this. So, yeah. What, one other thing that I, I had, didn't put on our list, but I see, and I've got a concern with are those glass douching things. You know how you, you grab a glass and they kind of like t- upside down onto this, uh, this, uh, this thing that shoots water into it and kind of like, you know, cleans it and then puts, you know, makes it so that the glass is clean, I guess. I don't know what that little douching thing is, but that I've seen that douching machine, uh, located different area, you know, different spots. And a lot of times it's right in the traffic of a lot of activity. And I wonder how much stuff falls into that little douching machine. And then you start, you hit there and hit the, 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 the water spray, and now it's just shooting crap into your glass, right? It's supposed to be cleaning it, but if that machine is not clean, if it's got, you know, whatever in there, then it just seems like you could be also spreading some some junk in your glasses. So are you guys going to have a, a glass doucher at Trek, or what's your what's your plan? <laughs> I do like your term for it. I've yeah. never heard somebody call it that before. I don't know what it's called, but that's what it is. It's, it's just a glass rinser. Yeah. It just shoots water up in there um but yeah yeah we're gonna have one and so what's your plan on keeping it keeping it clean uh well it's just a part of our keeping our um drip tray clean i mean that's where they're generally installed um and ours is a part of our drip tray mm-hmm. um, right there so you know and we have to keep that clean just as a matter because it gets beer in it so okay. um but yeah, that's, and I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I, well, I wouldn't be concerned about that. Anything that shoots up there in theory, it's rinsing out. So um, my but. thought is if, okay, so let me talk about the next, let me talk about the next item. And this one is the one that bothers me the most using a dirty towel to wipe down the bar. And uh, this is, this is more than just, this is just a general towel use. And I see, I see bar towels used for all kinds of things, and this is the one that that I think is probably an easy way of spreading crap to your customer. So basically, bar services need to be clean, and you know, in order to to you know, people are putting their hands or resting on it, a beer, the bar needs to be clean. So I don't know how bars normally do it. If they have a spray thing, they usually spray some stuff on it and they use a towel and they wipe it down. But I would say after the one time that towel is used, that goes in the laundry and then they get a new clean towel next time they, they use it. But that doesn't necessarily happen. The towel goes back behind the bar and then the, they use it for other things. So um, 
What they say is uh, you just can't take a towel and smear your contaminants around. You need to sanitize the bar so you can kill the bacteria that can potentially harm a patron. So just don't grab a towel and wipe up. You know, use some kind of disinfectant thing and then use it. Uh, makes sense. Um, if the bar top isn't disinfected, then menus, silverware, napkins, and other items can potentially be contaminated, putting the customer at risk. And here's my thing. I've seen bar towels being used universally for cleaning up all kinds of messes on the bar, on the taps, wiping overflowed beer from around the glass that they, you know, they go ahead and pour a beer and it foams up, you know, and then they go and take a towel and they wipe the glass, you know, the beer off the glass before they hand it to you. That's the kind of stuff that worries me probably more than anything else. And then over the other thing too, as I seen, uh, uh, you know, they'll have the dishwasher or the sanitizer and they'll pull out the glasses and they'll wipe the glasses. Uh, you know, they'll do one little spot wipe with a towel. Well, again, that towel needs to be clean from the moment it, it is going to be used to touch the glassware. But I don't know necessarily that the bartenders are actually using clean towels all the time and i think the towel is a good collector of bacteria and so if that towel is wiping you know if you use a towel to wipe uh, the bar down and you wipe your your uh, glass doucher you may have just put stuff into your glass doucher now you're spraying every single glass with your you know in your doucher and it's spreading you know uh, whatever bacteria to your customer what do you think about that john uh, yeah, and that so this is actually one of the one of the things we picked up from the health department, um, where you you can't have like cross use towels, yeah, that kind of thing. Like, and so one of the rules that's implemented is that like a hand washing station, mm-hmm. like those towels have to be disposable. Okay, so you have to have paper towels yeah. for for a hand washing station. So anything that's then going to be used in any other aspect was not used. Uh, as part of hand washing, okay. Even though in theory your hands should be clean by that point, um, <laughs> you know if, if you're doing that right. Uh, but yeah, and this one, you know, it's yeah. You, this is one of those one that's that's harder to police. Yeah. Um, within your own establishment because you know stuff gets super busy. You got mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. all that stuff. So this is one that's really easy to just you know that you got to clean something up and there's something within reach that can do it. Um, so yeah, th- this will be a, a, a tough one, but you know, it's, you, you have to work through it and yeah. hopefully you, you got people, you can coach people up that, Hey, when this is dirty, get rid of it, yeah. get something else in there that can do the job. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I guess as a, as an owner, don't, don't cheap out on the towels, <laughs> have plenty of towels from the use, whatever service you have or whatever, make sure that you have them so they can use them and they don't feel they have to you know use a towel for longer than it needs to be used safely i i only mentioned that because probably that right there is the one thing i see mostly abused at these establishments is i see that wiping the glass with a towel all the time and every time i see one wipe a glass i'm cringe because i'm like i hope that just wasn't used to you know wipe the bar or wipe you know I, I just cringe I, every time I see a, t- a towel used uh, on my glass or uh, around where I'm drinking. So, yeah, I, maybe I'm just a little bit too um, OCD with with that type of <laughs> behavior. 
All right, John, what's next? Yeah, so uh, not washing glassware properly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this should just be an absolute no-no from <laughs> every aspect. But, yeah, serving customers a drink in a dirty glass is a major no-no. Uh, not only does it look bad, but it can also ruin a good beer and potentially get them sick. Yeah. Um, so how can they mitigate? Uh, staff should be trained to wash glasses at a minimum of 171 degrees Fahrenheit and use dish soap or with chemical sanitizers in a low temperature dishwasher. Um, then once glasses are washed, uh, make sure to double check for remaining lipstick stains. They can be pretty resilient. And it's also important to make sure there's no remaining soap or food fat on the glass surface, especially when serving beer. Cause as we've discussed, yeah. that can ruin a beer's head. Yeah. Okay. So I've seen a lot of different methods that, different establishments use with their uh their cleaning i've seen the uh the two or three sink thing where they have uh one sink that's got just whatever doesn't uh, sanitizing fluid and another sink with some i don't know there's some weird sink thing i don't trust that at all it may be pl- you know plenty safe but i'm always cringing when i see the 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 dip sink method I've seen the dishwasher. Yeah, that, so, seen so that so that method, the a dip sink, it is including sanitizer in that. It's yeah. a is a clean, a, a rinse, and a sanitize. Okay. And the the trick with that is um, there are time like segments that it's supposed to sit into mm-hmm. the into those solutions, and a lot of times you'll see people just whipping them in and out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not doing anything. Um, that you want them to be going slow because like a sanitizer needs a certain amount of contact time. Yeah. Um, you know, the cleaner needs a certain amount of contact time. Um, and yeah, lipstick is a, is a really difficult thing to get off a of glass. Yeah. Um, with that stuff there, there are products that can do it, but, um, it can be very tricky to get off. So, right. so what uh, method are you guys using at Trek Brewing? Uh, we are, we currently have a three sink to do the, the dip method. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, we're hoping to have a dishwasher. We're still working on whether we can, uh, afford that right now. Okay. So, so there is, there is some other concerns with the dip, the dipping method is, uh, you know, it, it's easier to break glasses Yes, uh, that way, and then 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 you have the risk of you break a glass, and if you don't get all the glass out of the the water, now you're possibly passing uh, glass pieces to your customer in their beer if it's not uh, so. So, well, not only that, it's a safety issue for your staff. Yeah, just, yeah, wow. for getting cut. And, yeah, then, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of issues, but. Um, so that three that di- that dipping thing is that going to be done back in the kitchen area or is it going to be done at the bar area? At the bar area. Okay. And um, I know you haven't opened yet, so you don't. What is your plan? Uh, you so I know you ordered a lot of glassware, but what I see when I visit pubs uh, in my local area is that they're always. Uh, coming out and grabbing glasses as fast as possible because they want to make sure they have clean glasses for their customers. 
are you going to be strapped where if you have a full house that you're going to have enough glassware and enough time to three dip uh, these glasswares uh, properly and then clean lipstick and uh, possibly greasy mayonnaise uh, residue off of your glasses when you have a, a sandwich shop? <laughs> yeah, <or? laughs> that, that mayo residue. It's, yeah. It's killer. Um, <laughs> So we would have the capacity to also wash glass, glassware in the kitchen. We'd mm-hmm. have the same setup back there. Um, and, yeah, we ordered glassware with full house in mind. Okay. So um, we should be fine. Uh, but that's also, you know, partly why we're wanting to get the the glassware washer in place. Um Mainly a quality of life improvement for staff. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And so you don't have somebody sitting there, and their only job is washing the glassware. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you for uh, answering my questions. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, that's what I like to do, and you you respond very well. You, yeah, you, I've, you, I've learned over the years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next thing, um, this I don't see very often. Um, there are some old school some some people that do this, but I don't see it as, as much as I used to see. I used to see it a lot. Um, the beer tender or, or server licking their fingers to pick up a napkin or a receipt. And they say, this is a bad habit many people have, and we should all work on breaking it. It's even more important for bartenders to stop this bad habit because by licking your fingers, you're transferring germs from your mouth to your customer's napkin. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that as often. I used to see it a lot back, you know, 10 years ago, but I don't, I think a lot of the younger generation has lost that uh, that trick. Have, have you seen the, the licking of your fingers to uh, separate napkins and, and receipts and stuff? No, not really. And a lot of places now have the little sticky pads, so you can just hit that with your finger yeah, and, yeah. and do it, uh, which is good as well. Okay. But yeah, I, I don't see this one too often. Yeah, yeah. But it is something to keep in mind that, yeah, it, you know, it, not only are you you putting your customer at risk, you're putting yourself at risk because your hands have just touched whatever, you know, glassware and silverware and food dishes and things maybe that, that customers have, you know, sick customers have touched. Now you just got yourself sick. Who knows? You could be spreading that sickness. You don't know you have to your customer. So it's uh, overall, it's a, it's a bad thing. So John, why don't you go ahead and hit my other uh, big pet peeve uh, of things I don't like to see. Uh, in a bar, uh, bowls of bar snacks and whatever's not eaten placed back into the storage <coughs> bin. You really see this? I I, I haven't seen I, him. No, I haven't seen him place. I don't know what happens after we leave. I've never seen him place things back in the storage bin. But what I have seen is I see bowls of stuff, and I I don't like I I'm not I don't ever eat from a bowl that's already placed out there. The only time I eat is if I um, what I and I don't and I don't eat popcorn that's in a big popcorn machine that people stick their hands in and, and self serve either because I don't know where their grubby hands are and they put that scoop back in there and it's all <laughs> over the popcorn and it's just not good. What I like seeing at the bars and I'll tell you, I was really impressed by a, a bar I went to in uh, Gainesville, Virginia. Uh, it was uh, that. Uh, busted no uh, the cannon the busted cannon or whatever the the cannon uh, brewery I went to when I was in Manassas last time I was there they 
for one thing, they had great beer. I love the beer. But they also offered you free, already packaged, small little snacks that when you order a flight of beer or a beer, you help yourself to a small sample pack of pretzels, chips, whatever you want. They said, here, you order a beer, just take your thing. Now, you've only exposed yourself to what you're eating and you're not, no one else is touching your food. And I kind of like that aspect of it. But I don't like, I don't like the ones that either set out bowls of pretzels or, um, I mean, at Ru- for example, at Rubens, I love the fact that they offer you pretzels. But again, you have to stick your hand on a, uh, uh, a scoop and scoop your pretzels out and put them into your bowl. I'd rather see a, a serving thing that you just twist a handle and you have a little uh, paper container and the pretzels fall into the container and no one touches the pretzels. No one touches a scoop, right? That's what I want to see. I want to see things that don't have other people manhandling the food I'm about to eat. And then I feel safer Is about it, it. Are you sure it's Rubens? Or I think Fremont has pretzels out. No, Rubens. I don't recall seeing that Rubens. No, Rubens has pretzels too. Yeah, Rubens has a. Okay. Yeah, they have a, a, a bin of, of pretzels that you scoop out. I've 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 done it twice, and and even though I don't like it, I still ate them because I needed some pretzels. <laughs> but I don't like that. I, I'd rather see something that keeps the the food separated from anyone else touching it. You know, whether it's a, you know, you know they, they have uh, they have serving devices that allow you to have a single portion without having anyone touching it. And that's what I like to see bars have. But now that I just said all that. What do we have on our bar snacks? Uh? <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, well, you said they people like the food, but yeah. how do we how do we deal with it? Yeah, how do you deal with it? Um, so, choose snacks that can stay out at room temperature for long periods of time, like pretzels and popcorn. Yeah. Uh, consider giving personal snacks to patrons when they take a seat at the bar instead yeah. of simply leaving out large bowls for I, everyone. I like that. Um. Alternative would be to have a large bin and allow customers to scoop their own portion. <laughs> I don't which like Denny's that. he's already said he doesn't I, like. I don't like that, but that's what they say. Let the customers scoop their own. Yeah. And most importantly, when whatever customers don't finish should be discarded, not put back into a storage of, bin. Of course. Common and sense. when Denny walks in, take everyone else's <laughs> snacks and give them to him. I don't know if I include that one. It seems personal, but yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you think, John? Are you gonna have? So I know you're gonna have food available, but are you gonna offer? Some bar snacks too at at your at Trek. Uh, we don't have plans right now for like communal snacks, mm-hmm. um, so that's not really an issue for us. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I think at minimum, you know, having a scoop and other things. But I feel like because we have a kitchen, that we might have limitations on what we can do or what we would have to have in place um, because the health department would oversee what we do yeah so um yeah i'm not sure what what form that would take i haven't looked into that side of the regulation because we're not yeah uh planning on that so no if, if you do decide to offer some kind of uh finger food thing for patrons patrons that just want to snack on something like pretzels i'll i just give you the the suggestion to go and per, you know invest in a bin that has a like a, a turning handle that just you know 
You turn it and it out pops some pretzels and no one has to touch anything. You have your little cardboard tray. You turn it, it falls into your tray and they carry them off and drink it, whether it's popcorn or pretzels or whatever. Um, I think that's the best way of doing it. I mean, it, it, yeah, it costs a little bit more to have that machine, but um, I, I think it's better than than you know having people stick their hands in communal bowls and because you know because now you got to keep all that stuff clean and uh, and then I hate the popcorn machine. There's several places here in the local area that have popcorn machines, and they just people go in there and scoop it out. And I see the people that just went to the popcorn machine. I said, I'm not going to that popcorn machine. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not, I'm trying not to stereotype, but there's some people that just are not uh, the cleanest. Let's just say that they don't look like they have washed their hands that day. Um, and I don't want to eat after people like that. I mean, it just doesn't, is it, I mean, I, yeah, you put yourself at risk. Yeah. Well, at the one place around here that has a popcorn machine, it's behind the bar and, and then the, you have to ask for it. So, so I like that too. So then you have the, yeah, you have the, the bar staff, the wait staff, uh, take care of it. I like that too. That's a, that's a good option. Okay. One last thing, and this doesn't really apply very often. Um, because I don't think there's a lot of breweries that are using garnishes in their beer anymore. But now that I said that, um, I've had a couple recently that I've gone to that have garnished my beer uh, with a lemon or lime or orange. Um, so if you're going to garnish, use garnishes on, uh, you know, in your beer for your Hefeweizen or wheat beer or whatever you know, beer you need to add a little bit of garnish to, it's important that uh, you wash the garnishes before you cut them and serve them to your patron, for one. And, of course, use a designated cutting board that's just for those garnishes. Especially if you have a restaurant, you don't want to mix your lime, lemon cutting uh, cutting board with your shrimp pre- preparation board, right? You don't want to have shrimpy limes and lemon. Not to mention, it tastes like crap, but you're also going to spread, you know, seafood germ problems or chicken or whatever else you're serving to your customer, and that's not good. So keep a separate cutting board just for garnishes. Make sure you only use it for that, and, of course, wash your garnishes before or rinse them off before you cut them to make sure all the bacteria is gone. Um, That includes the knife that you're using. You want to make sure that you're you're, uh, using a knife that is clean, don't use that uh, bar towel to wipe the knife off before you cut. That's not going to make it clean. Uh, you know. So that's the last one. Again, I don't think that's as uh, prominent in today's age. We don't see a lot of beers with garnishes anymore. Yeah, no. And yeah, having single-use or uh, multi-use cutting boards is against every health code across the country. So yeah, you, yeah you're not – you'll get written up and – find or you know if you keep ignoring them shut down for that yeah so yeah okay all right john anything else that i didn't uh already hound you on uh, that you want to talk about with this topic i don't think so you're way more sensitive to this than i am <laughs> i don't i don't care so much but i also you know i don't go out of my way to be dirty either yeah so yeah no <laughs> I, again i don't think about this all the time it's just that when you get sick, I, like I said, I got pretty sick this last, I've been sick for almost two weeks. 
And when you get really sick, you start to think about how you can, you know, how you can reduce the opportunity for you to get this sick. I don't get sick very often. When I do get sick, it's, it ends up being pretty bad. And it just brought up a lot of things that I notice when I uh, visit my uh, local beer places. And I, it just makes me think that maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm, I might be prone to catching some stuff. Uh, when I go out to drink, and I and I do go out to drink a lot, so it's not, uh, you know, it's 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 very uh, feasible that it, it could be a problem. Okay, John, you up for a couple of articles, real quick? I mean, quick yeah. articles. Okay, let's do it. All right, the first article is a fun one, a fun one from a brewery that uh, that we like to give uh, you know some jokings to uh, around the podcast. It's from Dogfish Head. They announced the ultimate stuck-on-a-desert-island beer. And I got this article from craftbeer.com, and the author is Jess Baker, just to give her pre- props. And so basically, Dogfish Head went out and asked themselves, what beer would they want to have if they were stranded on a desert island? And the brewery says it sent... Is set out to not only make a beer that you want to drink on a desert island, but also make a beer that would give you a few extra vitamins if you were to get stranded on a mystery island. So it's also going to help you along the way. And the new Dogfish Head beer is called, It's the End of the Wart as We Know It. Yep, I sang it. There we go. Uh, <laughs> the ingredients are an array of superfoods, including blueberries, acai, goji berries, sweet, uh, purple sweet potatoes, rose hips, chia seed, flaxseed, spelt oats, and canoa. Now, you add chia seed and flaxseed, this is going to be freaking diarrhea beer as far as I'm concerned. Those things like are like, <laughs> they really affect your uh, system pretty good. So I don't know if this beer is going to be uh, healthy on a desert island or not because I'm feeling like I'm going to get the shits for sure. Um, it's a 9% ABV Belgian fruit ale. Uh, it's purple, describes as slightly tart and a little sweet with the flavors of blueberries, cranberries, and cherries. So I try it. Um, for one thing, I like Belgian ales, and uh, I like blueberries, cranberries, and cherries. Um, although cherries can come across medicinal, so that might throw me off if it's too much cherry, but maybe the blueberries and cranberries will keep it in check. Uh, would you drink that beer, John? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, would this be... The beer you'd want to have if you were stuck on a desert island? Probably not. No, no. What what would be your beer? Some light. Mm-hmm. I would think. Um, you know that, that I know. That I know it's clean. You know, I, I don't need something that's going to give me the shits when the water's <laughs> going to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of the nice things about beer was that it, you know, was sanitary. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, some some nice and light, probably. Okay, okay. Can you guess what my beer would be? I don't know. I feel like safe would be like a full sale session lager, something like that. Oh, but yeah, that would be good. No, um, I think if I had to choose, I, I, it was hard for me to choose. I was trying. I was going between. I was thinking to myself, oh, you know what, farmhouse ales would be nice, a uh, f- little bit fruity, a little bit. Uh, you know, lighter and, 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 and refreshing. But then I decided that the beer that I really enjoy drinking on a hot summer Island is my mother earth, Cali cream and cream ale. 
There you go. I yeah. th- that beer is so refreshing and so f- good and enjoyable. Now, is it going to give me nutrients that's going to help me survive? No. But you know what? If I'm happy, then I'm happy. So, I'm okay. I'll if I die, <laughs> I'll die happy and it's Cali Cream and Ale for the win for me. So, I, that's my beer. All right. All right. So, listener let us know if you have a beer that you would like to be stuck on a desert island with. Let us know. Just write in to us at the uh, taptocraft at gmail.com or at taptocraft on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Facebook slash taptocraft, or leave us a voicemail, 208-536-ODDLY. All right. Okay, John, here's with our next quick article. All right. So, uh, Ballast Point Brewing. Uh, it's going to open up in uh, downtown Disney District mm-hmm. at the uh, Disneyland Resort. Um, so Ballast Point announced the opening of a brewery, tasting room, and kitchen in the downtown Disney District at Disneyland Resort, which I just said. But <laughs> the opening marks the first ever brewery for downtown Disney. Uh, opening in late 2018, the 7,000-square-foot space will house a three-barrel research and development brewery, yeah. uh, the new American restaurant, and outdoor beer garden. Yeah. So, um, this is interesting. For one thing, it's about damn time. That's all I gotta say. Um, last time I visited Disneyland was like ten years ago. I I went there and all the beer they had was crap beer, and it was crap beer for ten or twelve dollars a glass. It wasn't worth it. I didn't drink anything while I was in the park. Now, coming at the end of two thousand eighteen. If I were to go to Disneyland again, I have actually some good beer to go drink. Now, am I going to pay a premium price? Of course, but at least I'm going to pay a premium price for a beer that I'm going to enjoy drinking. So I'm kind of happy that they're finally doing this thing. I think they've seen the writing on the walls that people are enjoying craft beer and they want to, you know, embrace that that craft beer uh, enjoyment. So now, John, are you going to uh, make a trip to Disneyland so you're, you can have some good beer while the kids are having fun on the rides? Just for this? No. No? No, no. <laughs> and for the, no, Disney, for the kids. Disneyland, Disneyland's way farther away from me now. Now if I was going to do something, I'd go to Disney World. So, <laughs> Well, how, how do you know that the next announcement won't be Funky Buddha at Disney World? Well, then we'll, then we'll talk. Because isn't so. Funky Buddha the one that was also... Uh, Acquired by Constellation, or am I mistaken? I don't I think, remember. I wh- think they were. Was. I think it was. I think uh, Funky Buddha is also part of Constellation now, and that would be perfect for them to open a Funky Buddha restaurant and bistro, uh, beer garden at Disney World. That's even better. I'd even I'd even travel all the way to Disney World just to go get Funky Buddha beer. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think it's a great, great thing. And uh, uh, I actually saw this article um, from beerpulse.com, but our buddy David Makazuki, did I say that right? Makazuki? I, David, I hope I pronounced your name right. I don't have it written down. So, uh, but uh, he also sent us a link on our Facebook page, but I'd already uh, read and, and was excited. I, already, I actually already put the article in our show notes. Uh, before he sent that in, but I'll give David props because he was thinking about it too. And um, I think it's good. I know David goes to Disneyland all the time or he used to go to Disneyland all the time. I don't know if he still does. So he'll have some good beer to drink while he's there. 
Okay, John, guess what? We're keeping it in check. Show's not going to be too long. So but before it gets too long, let's go ahead and uh, give a few toasts to some friends. Who would you like to give a toast to tonight? Uh, just raise my glass to all listeners and everybody that sent in feedback and has been talking with us on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's always great. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, John, all of our great listeners out there, all the feedback. We love interacting with you. Thank you for doing that. So I raise my glass to you also. Um, and if I want to also raise my glass to uh, the podcast I've mentioned a few times already uh, in the last uh, several episodes, uh, the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. They uh, shouted us out on their podcast, uh, the recent podcast, and they shouted us out because not only – do I uh, interact with them uh, off and on? But they also saw that we had some listeners that also uh, wrote an interv- uh, a review on iTunes for them and mentioned Tap the Craft was how they found them. So I just want to raise my glass to to Chad Lamasa. He was the one that left the one of the uh, reviews for sure. He he mentioned that he uh, left a review, and of course to all those the guys at the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I love the show. Um, you know, for a Gen Xer like myself, it brings back a lot of memories. And I think anyone that is a Gen X uh, person would really enjoy the show. So go out and find their podcast and listen. They're a great bunch of guys. And of course, we would love for you guys to leave iTunes reviews for us too. It does really help the show. So if you want to, if you enjoy what John and I do and you want to just give us a little bit of uh, help in promoting the show, then Leave an iTunes review, please. And plus, you'll be entered into all our contests. So another bonus for that. And of course, being a former serviceman, I want to raise my glass and thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military services that are protecting our freedoms. Uh, I want to thank you. I want to raise my glass to you. And I just want you guys to come home safely to your families very soon. And I want to raise a glass to Hop Cloth Apparel for partnering up with us. And I encourage all of our listeners to go visit their site at www.hopcloth.com and check out their creative craft beer clothing line. And use the code TAPTHECRAFT, one word, all one word, TAPTHECRAFT, at checkout to get free shipping. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes posted on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can the listeners follow you? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, untapped, Prime WA, or you can follow the brewery, Trek Brewing, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing, or visit the website at trekbeer.com. Excellent. All right, it is last call. Time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, or however you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.